Welcome to the Church of Pentan podcast, the premier Battle Spirit Saga talk show, available on all your favorite podcast platforms. May the cores be our saviors. I'm Aspira, your head of surface, and joined by me, as always, are my apostles, John and Cosmic. John, how are we doing this week? I'm doing wonderful this week. Been doing lots of testing for the Pro Tour, a little bit of set three, feeling all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I am struggling balancing between the set three testing and the Pro Tour test. It's like the Pro Tour testing is like the stuff I, I know I'm supposed to do. But the set three testing is the stuff I really want to do. <laughs> so it's yeah. just uh, balancing between those has definitely been a struggle for me. Well, the set three stuff's been more fun. But mm-hmm. I, you know, like I've been saying in previous podcasts, I don't know when the first event I can play in with set three even is. Right. So, um, you know, it's kind of on the back burner for me, but I have enjoyed what I've been testing so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I've been enjoying going back and forth and reading the card list and kind of figuring things out. But uh, even for the pro tour right now, I do my, at least like one hour a day, I go through BSSDB and I'm just like, have I read every single card? Is there something that breaks the format in a certain way that I'm unsure of? So yeah, uh, I mean, I, I've been testing a deck for the last week or so, um, you know, with the guys and it's, it's actually surprisingly, uh, not pterosaurs so wow. it might actually play something it's not pterosaurs we'll see <laughs> we gotta quote him on this and hold him to it when we find it yeah. all right before back to pterosaurs <laughs> <laughs> i mean be. I, be. I i remember when uh axe biter with elemental started becoming a thing and most of team td was on axe biter and it just took valentino bashing his head in for two weeks until you guys were like all right back to pterosaur it is <laughs> yeah, yeah. So maybe maybe I'll pass read back to Terra. Who knows? But I I will say that the the meta is more open to it. I think you know, it's the one of the big things is definitely like purple is a is a big contender right now. So it's just like how do we best deal with purple? So th- those are the interesting things. But I mean, hey, we're not the only ones. Cause you're also going to the Pro Tour. How are you doing this week? Well, I've just been excited for set three stuff, and I'm just trying to get back into the video side of things. So I've been slacking with Pro Tour testing. So I'm hopefully getting back to it again this week. But I mean, like. It's one of those things that I I just want to play probably with what I'm comfortable with at this point, unless I find something that's just like so groundbreaking that I'll swap. But man, mm-hmm. I just love I just love green. That's just where I'm at. Yeah, that's uh, very much kind of where I think uh, you're at, especially given like how much of a good time you had with it uh, leading up in the, with the ghosts and stuff like that. I've been enjoying green a lot. Um, I think God slaying is a great tool for green to also have to kind of turn the tables around, kind of go bigger decks. Um, which uh, the lore set, which, you know, has now released everywhere. And I've been seeing everyone kind of get their things, um, has finally kind of come to North America and I keep trying to explore it. It's, it's a shame. I keep trying to put together the emperor archetype too, and just being like, maybe something's there. Maybe Bandai put together some kind of sauce that I'm not seeing. Um, but unfortunately it's not there, but you know, I'm loving cards. Like, like I'm still trying to find if I can figure out a room for K because she does straight up say like draw four, draw five. Right. And like there, maybe there's something there that makes a lot of sense, uh, the, the, you know, in, in a world where maybe john talked about it like a month ago where you just do elemental spam and then you just k to draw five right like that maybe that's good enough so yeah uh, you know i i don't think she's good enough pre-set three but i can mm-hmm. say that i have several decks with set three that plays her and uh they are pretty neat so we'll see if it goes anywhere but i think she's a lot better set three when you have a whole another color that she can choose from Mm-hmm. Uh, and also slows the, the the game down quite a bit. She she works really well with the uh, shark. So yeah, um, especially since like and for what it's worth, I do recommend that people actually pick up the sealed product for the lore set, just because you also get the book, you get the packs. But it's um, 
it's the I actually tried to be, you know, sneaky about it and pick up the singles. And I'm like, okay, well, there's the for sure two that you want to pick up is like the Tokiwa, and then there's like K maybe that you uh, may want to Godsling for sure. And then I'm like, okay, well, you know, there's um, is it Oath, Truth Oath, or which one? That what's the Nexus? The yeah, Victory Oath. So then it's like, okay, well, pick up Victory Oath because it's got set three usage. I'm like, okay. Feng Huang's a real card and he's a Vorlord, so maybe you pick up Manaka just to be able to maybe take us. And all of a sudden, I'm picking up like, what is it, 12? So I'm picking up nine of like the 12 different cards, and it's like just as expensive as if I just pick up the sealed product. So at that point, just pick up the sealed product, guys. There's probably enough, even though there is a lot there that lives within its own archetypes, there is enough weird niches like the yellow two drop that's a Fable Beast. Like there's a world in which maybe you just want that for the sake of its uh, numbers and stat lines. So, uh, do actually recommend picking up the thing and i haven't read the lore book but i'm actually excited to kind of you know at least get a little bit of that also yeah yeah for yeah. sure i'm 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 actually going to locals tomorrow and i'm going to grab two lore sets and probably test my hopeful pro tour deck a little bit there and see how it does in a more you know casual it's environment true. right but at least something more structured i think something that um mm -hmm. i was listening to a um, not a podcast, but I was watching a, a Yu-Gi-Oh! YouTuber, uh, Joshua Schmidt, who actually just played in a, in a tournament this weekend. He was talking about how he had picked, and I'm not going to go too deep into the Yu-Gi-Oh! thing, but essentially he picked a deck which had tested really well, but he hadn't tested it in the structure of like a timed tournament, and then realized that he was never going to finish the tournament without at least three to four draws, right? So I do think there's a lot of value in, even though you're testing with the boys and stuff, to at least get you know, maybe one to two on the ground testing periods with the deck in a tournament to kind of at least vibe out in the structure of a tournament. How does this deck really play? Yeah, you know, and then the other thing for me that that helps a lot is that when I test with the guys, you know, Alex, Ryan, etc., uh, the decks that we test are usually like, okay, let me try this new deck, and then we ram it against purple control like 50 times in a row, mm -hmm. right? And it's like, okay, <laughs> it's like, all right, this has pretty good results, you know, 60, 70%. Let's ram it against pterosaurs like 50 times in a row. And then it does well against pterosaurs. So then it's like, okay, well, let me bring it to locals and see how it does against this, you know, pretty half decent player playing green or white control or, you know, whatever. So you, you get that other side of it as well. Um, because when you're in a testing group, everyone usually has their decks that, that, that they like to play and test, and mm -hmm. you don't get a lot of that exposure to, you know, the green decks, the white decks, you know, whatever. So that that tends to help me a lot is to take, you know, decks there, try it, see how it does, and then take it back and, you know, then yeah. test the other matchups with the guys. Yeah, I think getting a field spread is super important, because don't get me wrong, obviously you want to account for the matchups you'll most likely see, which are the quote-unquote best decks in the format but then you still have to account for the fact that you know rounds one three four you know like maybe you play against some random jank side thing and you know how do you how do you match up against that yeah maybe you play against yellow then it's like oh man what do i do right <laughs> like turns out you know it, against the whole meta i'm like 60 percent favored but against luster for some odd reason this deck is like you know 2080 like <laughs> and it, this whole pro tour season like with testing over the last month like i think i've tested versus yellow like you know probably like against yellow maybe five games and then every time we just pound it and it's like okay this deck sucks so <laughs> if someone has a good yellow deck like i'll have no idea what to do against it so mm -hmm. 
you know, man, maybe- God slang songs. We're going up. We got to believe only believers in chat right now. <laughs> <laughs> the worst part is I absolutely love God slang, especially since like, Hey, secret tech guys, by the way, for anyone who's listening, God slang works both offensively and defensively. So you can chump block and it's no longer a chump block, yeah, but, I play uh, more defensively, me too. A hundred percent of the time. It's such a bigger swing. Um, but I've also found that it's worked better for me in other colors than actual yellow itself. Yeah. So, you know, you, you take what you can. <laughs> yeah. So with that said, uh, for our big topic, it's probably going to end up being a bit of a shorter episode as we kind of tie in, go, to- go towards the Pro Tour. But we do have uh, some very exciting announcements. Um, the Evangelion collab is something that will be happening in 2024. So we'll be going into... Uh, a little bit more details into that. Then we got a uh, guess that uh, flavor text. And then finally, uh, we do have the TP reveals alongside the SPRs that we'll be able to give ourselves a little chat about as we close off this week's episode. But to kick it off, Evangelion coming to Battle Spirits Saga 2024. Uh, the way that this is specifically going to play out is that in set four, we're actually going to get alt art collab cards like they did with Gundam in the set. Um, except they're expanding it to be many more raiders. I think it's like some 24 odd alt art collabs. Plus like, uh, is this the one that said like box topper? It'll be like a magic card that also happens to be an alt art. Yeah. So and uh, an Vangelion token of like the Mecha ant and golem as well. Mm-hmm. And also Ray core cards, I guess, because it does mention core yeah. cards, as well. so core cards coming soon. Yeah, Finally. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm so excited for core card customization about time. Um, but uh, this is huge. Um, you know, I think there was a lot of energy behind the Gundam collab um, just because, you know, it, it's a known IP. It brings in a lot of new blood and stuff like that. And I think one of the things that unfortunately hurt there was that the entirety of the collab was concentrated on one specific archetype that never was really fleshed out or really all that viable, which kind of made it suck. And, you know, the, the most played Gundam card now is uh, Thorn Prison. So, you know, beam rifle. And that was a that was a box topper, which unfortunately doesn't play well for stores trying to move product and stuff like that when your best alt art is like 20 cents or whatever. So um, to that end, I think they've definitely learned a lot with how they're going about this, because this collab will uh, encapsulate not only X-rays, but uh, commons, uncommons. And I think it allows probably a bigger chance of, yeah, of you like fleshing out a proper Evangelion deck, even if it's just alt arts. And I do think that Gundams would have done probably a lot better if you could have at least built together a Gundam alternate art deck, even if it wasn't like customer mechanically unique. So, um, to that, and I'm very excited that they're bringing that to set four. And then again, we don't know what the product's going to look like. Maybe it's like a, what are they called? Mega decks that you called them from JPBS uh, Cosmic, where it's like a competitive version of a starter deck. So, and they usually have sleeves and they'll be fully foiled and stuff like that. Uh, One Piece just got one. Bezelmon had them for uh, Digimon. And I know Dragon Ball Super has also got them. It's it's a very standard Bondi product line to like help players jump in with a more competitive deck. And then also when they introduce collabs, it usually just has a starter deck because you need something to get started with. So it technically wasn't confirmed that we're going to get a starter deck yet, but I I have to imagine we are. Mm. Yeah. So um, if anything, I'm just. <laughs> I'm just stunned that any of this is even coming to set four at all, because like if you guys pay attention to Facebook groups, you guys know that Cosmic always lets you guys know to talk to your local game store when distributors have the information out to be able to pre-order the sets so that it shows Bandai that, you know, the games are going good and yada, yada, yada. And uh, funny enough, none of this was in the pre-order details like a month ago when they were open. 
and uh, they're open for a week now again, all over again. <laughs> so I have to imagine that what happened was, you know, they got feedback, which, by the way, feedback is amazing. I do think they still have the surveys out for the lore set now that the set released. I highly recommend you guys go to Bandai's social media page and actually fill those out because it's a great way. Them getting feedback of the kinds that they get in those surveys are how changes make. And I can't even begin to talk about how nuts it is that they re-rolled back a set that was about to be printed or was already in printing or something to jam even more cards into it. Like that just blows my mind. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm pretty excited about this uh, collab myself. I've. I was excited about the Gundam one too, and I felt like the execution just wasn't there. And I think that they learned a lot from that, like you said, and I'm sure like Cause is you know about to say, and uh, they're hopefully doing it right. And uh, you know we have a lot more cards this time; they're going to be easier to get. Um, that was the other thing with the Gundam stuff is they were like almost impossible to actually get. Um, so you know we'll see how it goes, but I'm I'm excited for it. Yeah, the other part to go back to, like, as Aspira said, just making a deck, even if it's just alt arts, to have all the EVA cards together. And we know based on the distributor information that some of the X rares are going to each, you know, six X rares will have it. And if you think back to how they did with set three, how you have the Guardian, the Pilgrim, and the Sanctuary, we will probably see that same exact style with set four that says, hey, here's your key spirit. Here's your two enablers for the key spirit. And then, oh, shocker, they're all going to be Evangelion cards. So, yes, you know, the 50, well, I guess over 50% of your deck is still going to be, you know, normal battle spirits cards. But if you want to, and if you want to bling it out, you could make a, you know, fully alt art uh, key spirit and then whatever the the enablers are for Evangelion artwork. And then, of course, we're also getting the magics, which, again, Fingers crossed, Absolute Ice Shield reprint would be super sick with Envenion artwork. Uh, so I kind of hope that's what we get, but it, it's kind of a really gamble because it says older magics, right? So it mm. could be Angelic Pressure, right? Just on name, it'd be a, a really cool one to have with all the angels. But uh, it's really anyone's guess in terms of what we actually get for magic. But hopefully, at a minimum, they're full art. That's like the one thing I'll say, like Thorn Prison was or being yeah. like the drum set too. Please, 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 please be full art. You know, personally, with the the older magics i really 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 hope that they pick starter deck cards or something that they haven't already made so ice shield would be cool yes 100 percent on board but like it, how about like a core drain? yeah yeah like <laughs> how about core drain so i can get like a foil core drain how about you know dream bomb like i know we already have judge dream bombs but like you know give me a full art dream bomb that's foil or something like pick harder to get cards or cards that don't exist in foils already mm -hmm. like that's all i'm asking i hopefully they do that if not you know like it is what it is but that will be really cool to me yeah i think um you know i'm always a big fan of like star deck cards i see a lot of usage in that way um and if they want to stray away from that um, I think there's still a decent amount that like haven't gotten a ton of uh, like burning force. The fact that we still haven't gotten a burning force altar blows my mind. Um, you know, so that will probably line itself really well. Um, but it does definitely feel like they're hitting this from like every angle where like, hey, altars from in the set, altars from previous sets. And again, I think this kind of encompasses their whole notion of, well, with set four, we can't do a full collab set. So what if we flesh out between old cards that people are using, current cards from this set and like buy a box promos and all that, 
the ability to be able to create a full Evangelion deck. And I think that's kind of what they're leaning into. It's like, it's our way to make a pseudo Evangelion deck using, you know, cards that we can kind of just throw in here without, you know, changing what the set is. Cause realistically this was probably all thrown in after the design of the entire set was done. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. hundred percent. You know, for me, one of the most exciting things out of all these announcements over the last week is that, uh, we're they're already planning to release more sets going into next year they already have the whole whole next year planned out and you know this isn't me doom saying but like i wasn't sure that that was truly going to happen so this is the closest thing to a true roadmap that we've been given so far right mm-hmm. so we know that you know of course set four we know we're getting set five we know we're getting a collapse set so all of next year is planned out so the product still being printed is great 100 percent. they're all you know all in on you know gaining some some momentum this is great news um so hopefully at some point before the end of the year um they talk more about organized play for you know 2024 and then I think that uh, that plus all these new products coming out, like we have a lot of momentum going into the uh, next year. Yeah, roadmap uh, soon, TM. We keep <laughs> asking yeah. for it, but uh, hopefully soon. And uh, maybe we're going to bring this up. But the one thing I do have to uh, add on to it's right is this what set was technically delayed a month as well, just to fit all of this in. So. I realize 99.999% of people listening to this or watching this will not understand exactly how big of mountains Bondi just moved to make all of this happen because they, this is them perfectly admitting just to like put it on the table saying like, Hey, we screwed up year one. We got to own it and we have to do something big for set four. And is this perfect? No, but it is a huge step in the right direction. And I do feel like if we can get some good news, as John mentioned with organized play, it can be really good. Now, the one thing I will say is kind of a, a downer about this is like, what happens in February for like, if there's going to be a grand open, right? Now we're just playing set three meta still. That feels awful. So th- there is still that like one caveat you have to add, but I think overall it is a massive net positive for the game that will, at, at a minimum, it's going to get new eyes on the game and get more people saying like, hey, what is this? Look at all these beautiful artworks that we get. And I think that's positive, but it's really going to be a kind of a rough Q1. And I think the rest of the year from there will get smoothed out pretty quickly. Yeah, I think realistically, it's going to suck to say, but like set three is going to be a long, it's a long, but short format, right? It's like, it's all the tournaments are happening in a very quick burst in the span of like three months between kind of like the, the first grand opens over to worlds. Um, and then again, with the delay does mean that this, format kind of drags on but we also don't know what organized play is going to look like right i mean this game released in what march so which means organized play had only really started about like a a week or two after that which means if you know based on the release of the set we might just kind of have maybe not a full year but kind of the same kind of year we've had now which outside of just wanting more events and kind of wanting localized regionals and stuff like that it has felt like a full year of events for the most part so i'm not too kind of concerned on that part and for what it's worth as unfortunate of a thing as to say, I am okay with sacrificing the mental well-being of our current players for the span of like a month or two while they complain about the meta, blah, blah, blah. If it means that we get an explosive set four that brings in like whole new life into the game, whole new players and all like that. I'm, I am okay making that sacrifice for them. 
And to be fair, too, there's pre-release, right? So mm -hmm. it's technically a month delayed, but it might only be like three weeks or depending on how early they do the pre-release, two weeks. So we have that to look forward to with Envangelion prizing on top of it. Like they're going yeah. all in. Envangelion. Well, plus the people who do grind, you know, all of the events like me, you, you know, several other people uh, that that month after Worlds, say, you know, February, I certainly don't mind not going to any events for a month you know because you know between now well not now but like pro, post pro tour like there's so many events crammed in there mm -hmm. so like november december and january are crazy so having a month off from grand opens or regionals or whatever they're they're going to do i'm fine with it yeah, but, uh, hey, Spira, you got any plans in February? Yeah, I got Fusion World that? coming, baby. Like, I, that's fine. I'm okay with taking the month off. <laughs> Me too. I saw that. I'm like, oh, cool. Now I just enjoy Fusion World for a month. And like, I'm sorry in advance, everybody. I'm totally going to take like a small little break until like spoilers roll in for set four. But like Fusion World for a couple weeks. Let's go. 100%. Yeah, yeah pretty okay with that. But I will say <laughs> probably the biggest thing outside of like, don't get me wrong, Evangelion collab set, huge, yada, yada, yada. The fact that we're getting real pre-releases now, like Kaz had mentioned, absolutely massive. And I can't understate, like when I used to work at Jasco, like it is insane. It's like having a pre-release is like a 10x multiplier on like LGS attendance across the across the, uh, the, the country. Even more so because you also have to account that stores that don't even run locals will at least usually at least run a pre-release, which means locals that had zero players can have anywhere from like six to a dozen players, which is absolutely huge when you account for the fact that like that's the first person's new player chance to come in and be like, oh, people come here to play and from pre-release, maybe then start a local scene, which is absolutely massive. I am a big fan of the fact that we're getting real pre-releases with real prizes and the fact that the themed around Evangelion is like a slam dunk in my opinion. So uh, with that said, uh, kind of a couple of things to kind of round out uh, the rest. Um, so 307 total types of cards, um, 15 X rares, which breaks down to what every color gets two. And then like one, like there's like three other ones that kind of spread out across. Yeah. yeah. I, I assume blue and green will get an extra one just blue to might get out. two extra ones yeah it mm -hmm. might be two extra ones for blue one extra one for green then everyone else gets two what does it cause or 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 big copia moment well we're gonna have a dual color double Ooh. symbol that's all i'm saying that's hopefully pretty yeah, good i want to see yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of multicolor. And the day that we start touching into those, oh, my God. And smog doesn't count. I don't care what you guys say in the comments. Um, <laughs> he does not. <laughs> so uh, six collaboration X rare, uh, 18 special rares. And that eight, like that 18 special rares kind of bumps up from the like there's 18 collab rares. Like there's going to be a lot of ways to kind of lux out your deck, depending on how you want, especially that now we get two saga rares. So I think the only thing that's really missing and I know a lot of people dislike secret rares, but I think the game needs a secret rare personally. I think it would add a lot to the value of a box for local game stores. But the fact that we're kind of kicking off into at least two saga rares, greater chance for, you know, one of them to be a competitive hit, maybe sustain some value, make, you know, make it a little bit harder to pull. And I, it's like a weird balance between trying to like, hey, accessible, cheap game, but at the same time, a game that stores can like carry and actually make a profit on so that they actually don't mind picking up products. So uh, overall, I think, the changes, huge slam dunk, absolute gargantuan move by Bandai to actually make this happen. So uh, hopefully with the, you know, they've been on social media talking about it more. 
they've made like a social post like every other day talking about Evangelion, which is, you know, a good improvement. So kind of see how that carries on going into uh, next following months. And I mean, I don't want to say I'm waiting for more reveals because we haven't even got the release of set three yet. But now I'm kind of excited to see what comes on the pipeline. So we'll, we'll have to see. Yeah, and- I, I think that the full collab set later in 2024 is going to be a pretty huge success like mm-hmm. as long as they don't completely punt organized play to scare people away i i think that this set will bring in a lot of people and really solidify the player base um so that's my hope anyway mm-hmm. yeah totally agree um and then to kind of bring out i mean organized play good touch points uh we did get some additional details about uh what the wave three is going to look like um so we did get our mats now we don't know what the well i mean not we don't know what the designs of the cards are going to be yet um but we do know that uh, top 16 gets a mandela playmat and uh the winner actually gets a scotty playmat and i have to say this is probably easily the most gorgeous playmat they've made for the game thus far i am i am a huge fan of this scotty mat like i'm not a zones guy and even then like i don't care this is just fantastic and for what it's worth probably the pro tour art for scotty <laughs> so yeah so this is the first time i'm actually seeing this which is pretty cool i don't think i've seen this yet mm. does that just say winner all over it is that what so so yeah it says uh battle spirit saga grand open winner in the corner here yeah. and then the rest are just the zones all right um cool. so, all in so like the, the black uh, and gold yeah so the designs are cool uh is this pro tour exclusive this is grand open. So this is oh. for the grand open winner no, no, of wave three. Yeah, yeah, I know that. I know you don't get the chance to participate, but no, no, it's fine. I mean, even if I do like these mats aren't that exciting to me. I mean, I have grand open mats upstairs, but like I'm, I'm still holding out hope at some point that they have an exclusive mat for like a pro tour at some point or for worlds or something like mm. the grand open mats are you know, like kind of whatever they get thrown into the pile. But I just want something like exclusive. I, I well, hear me, that. Let me explain the deal at least a little bit for you. I know it's not going to fully bring you around on it, but there's no online events for Wave Three, so this Scotty Matt is actually pretty <laughs> freaking rare. It's all things five good. of, I guess, yeah, or six or of, six, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. dope. Yeah, I mean, it definitely looks awesome though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it looks gorgeous. Um, that is a good point. I mean, we are getting up to worlds very quickly. Um, right we've got what four months till then it'd be like it'd be great we do have details as to where it is yeah i mean ballpark three months yeah yeah so um some news soon in regards to that would be great um just kind of like hey this is your cap off event what's it look like so some updates on that front would be really cool um especially since like it's bandai fest right so notably we're probably gonna have a ton of announcements and because this year is the year that they might finally made the umbrella company of Bandai card games, whatever, right? So, like, hopefully, we get some 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 news there and uh, some exclusive anything about having participated there. I think would be kind of a good move forward. So. Yeah, that'll be a really awesome event. Like, I'm really looking forward to uh, Bandai Fest. This is a uh, like I think if they do it right, which I'm confident that they will, uh, it'll be a lot of fun. So, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, they did the rebrand and everything, so it gives me a lot of hope. Like, if anything, as someone who, you know, going back to the original Battle Spirit Saga announcement and something that they really haven't done, um, and I know I said this on a previous podcast, but I'll just I'll do the short version now, is 
go, thinking back to where I was with like Bushiro, you never just had one grand celebration of all their games, right? And, and Bandai, outside of Japan, never really done this before either, where they were like, hey, we have these four or more games, uh, way more games in Japan, obviously. But there was nothing like, hey, we're all Bandai players at the end of the day. We're all enjoying the various card games. So, and some of us play multiple other card games, to be fair. So it's going to be nice just to have everyone under one roof and see your friends across all the different games that I think is just a huge win. Like, it's going, it should, again, assuming they do it right and all that good stuff, it should feel like a wonderful end of year celebration. Um, and hopefully then they do it every year because I think it'd be great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah no, I mean, you know, we'll probably get, uh, there'll be, I assume some fusion world stuff there. Uh, maybe like a, like a release or pre-release type thing. Maybe uh, like side event. They might have, might even announce a new game. Uh, maybe you know, you know, oh, who, you know who knows uh maybe maybe one know where we them. all you know come together in union and face off in an arena or something we'll see but mm, you know i i think it'll be a great time yeah i'm 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 looking forward to gone my my plane ticket's already booked i just you know i'm i'm pumped for it yeah i'm excited for it i'm looking forward to it hopefully next year they do more and the world isn't just Asia plus LA. So, and uh, which I'm sure is going to be a thing, right? I think if anything, this is probably just a test run for them. And then depending on how well this one does is kind of how they scale out from there. So um, looking forward to kind of hearing more news about that soon. I mean, at the end of the day, we know where the tournament's going to be. So book your flights, book your tickets and stuff and get your hotels figured out. But uh, regardless, uh, we, it will be nice to kind of see what the big plan is, what the big picture is. So excited, excited to see that. And like Quaz was saying, be under the same roof. Because uh, a lot of my friends don't play Battle Spirits, they play other Bandai games, so all of us being in the same place is going to be very, very cool. So, with that said, we're going to be jumping into Guess That Flavor Text. This one is where I present the lads with a flavor text, and then they get a couple of lifelines if they can't guess what card it comes from. Uh, and then we'll be going from there. Um, I kind of lost track of keeping up points, but I'm fairly certain John's ahead by like uh, way ahead. <laughs> Not even we don't gotta keep track no more. Yeah, I, I, I think we just kind of know that the guy reads his cards. Um, and I will say, I'll read it out, and then I got a couple of commentaries on this one. But after you guys guess it, so take care when telling jokes around machine beasts. Although they love a good laugh, they will first thoroughly analyze your attempt at humor to determine whether it is satire wordplay self-deprecation or some combination thereof and trust me there is no hell like having the brilliance of your own joke explained to you afterwards Mm. so white card uh i i have a feeling this is like an ice princess or something someone just trying to be a smart ass uh oh i don't know Uh, offhand i'm gonna need a hint yeah, but, uh, don't have it either offhand. Okay, so it is actually a machine beast. Okay. Oh, all right then. So it is not a nice princess, does. Which that is, that is nice, uh, you know. And for some of our listeners who are kind of confused why they went machine beast, there are a lot, or why they went ice princess. There's a lot of lore text actually on the cards that share a relationship between the ice princesses and the machine beast, and they go back and forth quite a bit on that. So, I I still don't know. Just uh. Random guess, Mechatrice, I guess. I have no idea. Because that's like the most obscure thing I could think of that you'd pull from, but I have no idea. It is not Mechatrice. And for John, your last lifeline is that it is a three cost. 
A three cost machine beast. Three cost machine beast. What three cost machine beast would have flavor text? Well, technically you know, I, they all do, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, then that, that which, doesn't which, narrow it down which, at all. Which, which ones have a paragraph glass on them? The only, mm-hmm. the only thing I can think of is glass bears. The three costs. Is he even a machine beast? I don't even know. He, like, he's a, uh, he is a machine well, beast, I think. Right? Yeah. There, yeah, he is. There's Pegasi owns a, a machine beast. I don't, yeah, no, it's not uh, Peggy. Yeah. Those are like the only two I can think of. Glass bear is um, a good one. Glass bear yeah. is a good one. How about you, John? What do you think? I, I, I don't know. Okay, so uh, you want to be careful of telling jokes around raccoon guard. Oh <laughs> God! <laughs> wow, that is. Oh yeah, a, I just uh, figure based on the amount of text, it was a vanilla, right? Because yeah. all the vanillas have. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, that was. Uh, yeah, I just pulled that card for somebody too to send off some. Uh, is there actually picking them? Yeah, metal like here's a bunch of stuff, and they're like, yeah, all right, it was used in white aggro. I uh, I unironically considered using this card early on in a few of my white decks, not even just in white aggro, but just as like a a beefy vanilla with that. So I was like, well, fish is good, and it's kind of like fish 2.0. So like, why not? And um, so I I and actually he, this card is featured on a ton of art, right? Like he's the ice uh, absolute ice shield spirit, isn't he? <laughs> yep and inescapable avalanche trust in peace guy <sighs> oh is he really on inescapable yeah he's the, he's the one, he's one he's in my hand right he's now. the one who's running away from it <laughs> yeah i mean i'm sure you can't see that but he is uh oh, he's very small yeah right he's, there, he's, very he's small. running over <laughs> so it is he's it totally is, made it i don't care what the card says he made it out of there i believe in you buddy <laughs> it is it is insane how like intense some of these like cards are toward the the magic cards are towards some of their spirits like um angelic pressure i didn't know for the longest time that that was like air vada getting like crushed <laughs> like absolutely mashed so uh but yeah so i the, the thing i have to say is that like this is the first long flavor text i've read on the show and it's actually the first long flavor text i've ever read i haven't read any of the vanilla's flavor text um and after having read that bandai i know you guys are making changes moving forward long flavor text on vanillas is not like and this is like irrelevant of me not liking the fact that the sets have like 20 vanillas or whatever this is not the way to do it i i was reading this and i was three sentences in i'm like oh. <laughs> like yeah. I, I just I, I when it comes to flavor text i think if you go longer than like a, like a, a sentence and a half you're kind of just getting too much in the sauce when it comes to just being on the card itself so yeah it's uh it's my one mini gripe with that but regardless uh big fan of raccoon guard um and uh i do at least enjoy that it kind of opens up the world a little bit about that so again uh be mindful of telling your jokes around machine beast if as long as if you don't mind your joke being told to you <laughs> all right so with that said moving on we do have sprs and tps a tournament pack cards. These are the cards you can get for participating at locals when the set releases um, that have revealed. This is the last thing left for uh, what there is to talk about uh, set three before it actually releases. And we can start diving into like the meta and all the things like that. So I think uh, I actually enjoy quite a few of the picks personally um, in terms of like what they did with the SPRs and all that. So uh, we did actually get all the magics, which was uh, really or not all the magics, but like it, the, we have four uh magics of each color which kind of got represented as sprs and then we got the guardians also which kind of cool like duality there um one day nexus sprs please bandai they stay on the board the entire game it'd be really cool if those were sprs 
Uh, but kicking off, we have Double Heart. I'm excited for that. I think people sleep on Double Heart. I think those are people who haven't been Double Strike chomping enough in their life to understand how good this is. And I love this SPR because I hate the regular art. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. So uh, we got Double Heart. Uh, we got Soul Crush. That's uh, uh, five. Sick uh, art. Yeah. Yeah. This thing's super, cool. super sick. So much. Mm. Yeah, the whole color scheme of this card is just great. Yep. Uh, we're talking about like, the brutality of the magics versus the spirits, right? And the golem is just getting literally sliced in half. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we got a soul crush, a dimensional rift, which is the the white magic card that cheats out a when the spirit blocks. Um, not too much insane usage right now, but it, you know, the more and more that that card pool goes on, because white will forever get when the spirit blocks. Um, the more and yeah. more usable this art's is. Cool. The art's yeah. super sick. I, I gotta say, in terms of XRs and SPRs, the art has definitely been a huge level up that I've really been appreciating. Uh, and then finally, Strong Draw! Woo! Huge welcome. Because, like, I, I think, Cause, when you were talking about Strong Draw initially, because we weren't sure if it was going to be in the set yet or not, there was, like, what, like a dozen different reprints of this card in, like, JPBS? So. Yeah, it's one of the most iconic cards for blue and something that we'll see played for basically ever in blue as well. So the fact that I got SPR and obviously like, you know, get them early. If you, it's the card that's just going to go up over time, which good, we need like more money SPRs. Right. Um, and then also the artwork was just gorgeous. So I'm very excited to get four of these, sit on four of them and then play any blue deck you play is running for. And you'll be very happy to see it. Cause the artwork is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the art's super cool. I'm a big fan of this too. Uh, my only complaint, and it's just nitpicking, is that where the reduction symbols are, they kind of just blend into the art, yep. which is kind of annoying. But maybe when you have it in your hand, it's a little bit different but, with the uh, foiling and everything. With foiling, yeah. yeah but mm-hmm. it, the art's sick. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't remember, and I'd have to look at Starbless Draw, um, because I know in JPBS they actually write leave the BS on the back of the cards. When it comes to Battle Spirits cards, are they always just blank cards on the back? I think yeah, so. Right? I think doesn't Starblast have BSS on the back? Let I don't believe so. For the SPR, no, no, uh, no, it does not. It has like a kind of symbol on it, like an uh, ar- okay. arcanic symbol on it. But it, well, it, it's a pyramid, right? So it, it, don't okay, even. Okay, don't yes. OG, OG Starblast draw is one hundred percent a pyramid, That's and so I will, <laughs> I will not. <laughs> like, this is a pyramid, and I will it's not like accept anything else. <laughs> Yeah, we're not having this last discussion yet. My God. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, and then we move on to the Guardians. Um, so we got Ancient Guardian, Trident Dragon. Uh, very sick art. Love me, my dragons. Um, and then we got Mommy number one, Ancient Castle Guardian Nocturna. Um, she looks absolutely gorgeous. I don't like it. I mean, I no. know I'm 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 on like the like Boo this man. The, yeah. <laughs> what? You don't like it, John. I'm, I'm on my own island here, I think, but I, I, I just don't like this art. I don't like the the non-SPR either all that much. I just I don't her hands look weird. Like I just Are you just not know. are you just not into like the power pose woman? I mean, like, I know is... that she's a nightling, so she has like weird fangy fingers, but like sure. it just it just doesn't work for me. I'm stunned. I'm shocked. Yeah. I thought this would have slammed dunk for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the art in the set is a step up, but this one isn't my favorite. All right. Fair, fair. All right. Always, always up for surprises. 
Uh, yeah. We got Empress Guardian Red. Yeah, go ahead. This Cuss. one, on, on, on the other hand, is awesome. Yeah. Also my favorite, but I just think yellow has like the best SPRs because the way that the color matches on all of them. But mm-hmm. uh, for those that maybe missed the last one, it's also worth mentioning. The reason why all the artwork looks better, so much better in this set, is because the Guardian Sanctuaries and Pilgrims are all BSS exclusive. So that like literally is current artwork. And then with set four, based on the feedback they got with set one, set four is also going to have more exclusive artwork. But this has also been like Bondi's thing that they do, right? For like Digimon One Piece, so there's like a shit ton of screenshots in set one and set two, and then they got custom artwork. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Saga followed the same uh, the same path here, but I am very happy that we're getting our uh, own exclusive artwork, especially the Guardians looking as good as they do. And yeah, the, the Red Queen is... I think other landers is just going to be super fun deck to play. It might not be the most competitive, but it's going to be like insanely fun to high roll and get those turns off. And I just like the way that this card looks. So 100% sits on the field. It's the key spirit enabler. Like all the Guardians are, right? They're the key spirit for the archetypes they want to be doing in. So I think just flavor-wise overall, new artwork, they look great. They're all pictured with the cores of the realm. Love the cards, 10 out of 10. Yeah, I and there are some people talk about how they're conf- like they're confused when they look at her because they don't know what's going on. It is she is meant to be bedazzled out. She is a queen. It is supposed to be gaudy. It is supposed to be extravagant. I think this card beams with color. I think it's absolutely gorgeous. I think there's a it, phenomenal it great as a foil too. A hundred percent. I can't wait to hold this card. Ah, uh, and then imagine if like dude, and then imagine if all the gold she was wearing was actually gold stamp foiled. <laughs> Don't break my heart. Yeah, I know. I know we're not getting that, but that would look so good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then going on from there, Sleepless Guardian Frost Tiger. Oh, he just looks cool. He's, he's yeah, a, I love this one too. Like mm-hmm. they did a really good job, like the artist did, with the colors on all these cards, right? Like mm-hmm. the colors just all look so great together. Like it's not just some you know, here's a random background. It's like these colors work really well together. And I feel like in the other sets, it it wasn't like that. It was just kind of like, here's some art. Mm-hmm. Everything just meshes a lot better, this set. Yeah, I... I th- also- Go ahead. Sorry, say this one's also super depressing. If you realize the pose that he's making in the flavor text, where it's like their world is getting destroyed, and he's the final guardian, the last one standing before he gets pulled out of there. So it's like a cry of defeat that is pictured in the SPR. Like mm. just beautiful. I I, I think I hundred percent. I think what's what's really important about these, I think, is because the artists were probably given a certain art direction of like, hey, mm. these are guardians, which means you need to think about their environment because they have to be involved with their uh, sanctuaries or whatever. So like they, it's, it feels like, like, I think what you're talking about, John, is that with the set, with the previous SPRs, it just felt like it was key art slapped on top of something. Right. Yeah. Whereas right. what really kind of flashes, and I love these is the fact that it's like, we have to care about the scene, right? Like it's, they're the guardians, which means we have to care about the backgrounds because like, Hey, we need the gems and stuff. And we kind of need those to kind of round about and come there. So I absolutely agree that, taking a more holistic approach to SPRs as opposed to just key art slapped on top of whatever makes it feel so much better. Yeah. So, uh, and then moving on from that, the final guardian that we have showcased the forest guardian, all Roan, which is the green guardian. I think she looks absolutely amazing. And I refuse to accept all the blasphemy I've been hearing on discord this past week, blah, blah, blah. It looks like she has weird legs, blah, blah, blah. This looks like a weird crop. You guys are smoking the pipe. I don't care. I think she looks phenomenal. (laughs) 
gamers need to go outside and touch some grass. It's a flower, guys. Come bro, on. It's and if she's the, the grass you're touching, Please. bro, come on. <laughs> she's she's better than the purple one, but like this, Man. you know, again, like, you know, despite me not loving the bottom half of the card, like, you know, again, the colors look great together. It really captures the essence of like green. Um, so you know, ten out of ten for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and no, I, I absolutely love this SPR. I, I think all the Guardians were phenomenally done, honestly. So huge ups there. And then I think the last one is the Saga, which Truth God Mandela done in pixel art. Slaps. I don't care what anyone says, man. I love <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad we have someone love who loves it. <laughs> I'm glad we got someone who loves it. Here, here's my thing. I love that they're tr- they're taking gambles like this. I love that they're trying new things. I love that with every saga, they're like something different. So they went with like the CG with Nova. They went with like traditional, more Japanese kind of art style with the Tokiwa, and now with Medela, they're going pixel art. Even though. Which is weird because I love pixel art. I spent so much of my life doing like flash animations and stuff like that. So pixel art usually speaks to me, but. I don't love this, but I love that they're trying new things with it. So, mm. yeah, uh, I mean, I I'm pretty indifferent about it. Like, I don't love it, I, but I, I don't hate it either. Like, you know, like you said, I'm happy that they're doing something different each set with their own style for the Saga Rare. So, like, 100% on board with it. Half the people are going to hate it, half are going to love it, but you know it. It's it's perfect for what they're trying. Yeah, I think having an opinion is better than no opinion, which is like which I think that the, the issues I could say about like Nova Saga is just that it just kind of exists. Right. And some people kind of like it. Some people are like, well, that's not really my thing. But I feel like there weren't too many strong opinions about it. Whereas at least with set two, it's a very distinct art style. Like, if anything, the only thing with set two is that the uh, champion Tokiwa looks very similar and they're supposed to kind of like that was the idea behind it but unfortunately I think they look so similar that it kind of hurts this distinction of the saga rare um, but it, but at least you can feel something about it which I think is something that you can say about this so yeah going a quick like just across Twitter Reddit Facebook and stuff like that people seem to be way more positive on this one than they were with Tokiwa which I like Tokiwa as well because again it was more the more traditional style mm-hmm. but I realize that one really didn't resonate well with the community but um again i'm also just going to echo that the fact that they're doing something different every time is very welcoming but the one thing i will say and this is probably just because i'm biased and i love this card and everyone that knows i'm literally going to play this uh for the first grand open please of all that is holy let the borders be gold stamped finally like that has just been a consistent (laughs) miss with the sagas i am begging you bondi if you're listening give us the gold stamp cards already like the double x rares in japan we know what they're supposed to look like Give us that Japanese Battle Spirits quality. That's all I'm asking. Mm, yeah, I, I think they stepped up on the art. And now if they could just step up on their printing methods. Um, yep. I'm and like, look, we've seen what they can do with the lore set. So clearly, like, it's not like a card weight issue because those, those things look phenomenal. So like, you know, just uh, they can do it. They've got the technology. There are other games show that they can do it. This game shows that they can do it. So they just kind of need to commit in set um, to kind of really give it to us. So. In that regard, those are all the SPRs and everything you can expect to get out of set three. But of course, if you're playing at your locals, there are TPs as well. So we'll just go ahead and talk about them. Uh, This time around, every color got two. Um, So kicking off our first one, Sword Dragon Emperor Excalibus. Seven cost, three red reduction, ancient dragon. On levels one, two, and three during your attack step, if two or more of your opponent's spirits have been destroyed this turn, treat this spirit as level three. 
And then on level three, when the spirit attacks, select one of your opponent's spirits with 4k or fewer BP or one of their nexuses and destroy it. It is a 4k for one, a 7k for three, and a 10k for seven. That's all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the other red card one too, and then we'll just talk about them all at the same time. <laughs> Probably just better that way. Yeah. And then we got uh, Sungareep. If someone's got a different guess on that one, go for it. But I think that's about as good as we're going to get. Um, yeah. Two cost, one red reduction, Skyfang on levels one, two, and three, Flash Awaken. And then on level two and three, during your attack step, this spirit gains 2k BP for each of your spirits with only one core on it. Uh, it's a 2k for one, a 4k for four, and a 6k for six. Also, yeah. Eh. <laughs> yeah, so this card. Okay, so the first one's terrible, and the reason is that it's just way too expensive. Like, there's so many other red cards you you could play that basically do the same thing for fewer cores. Like, I don't think it'll ever find a home. If there's something that works with ancient dragons, then maybe. But it's just you know, it's his his level one, two, three effect is way too hard to get off. Uh, if you do get it off, you're probably winning the game anyway, and then there won't be anything for his level three to even kill at that point. Um, so I don't think this one's good. However, the two drop I think is actually pretty solid. And the reason is that the, the awakened deck desperately needed a cheap awakened guy That's desperately. So the fact that you can play one for one core now is huge for that deck. It, it, it actually makes the comet dragon playable because you can play a cheap awakened guy and then play him once you have your board established instead of the other way around. Because um, I I tested a, a deck for the Pro Tour that was like an awakened deck, but you're forced to play uh, the four drop set two one that has four reduction, hmm. and uh, because that's just the cheapest one. Um, so, did I, you think about two drop guy? He what doesn't exist. Drop, yeah. the, 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 <laughs> so, so he's basically a vanilla two drop with Awaken, but he's from set the starter deck, if I'm not mistaken, which is, you know, to echo what you were saying, like he just wasn't good enough where this one actually has a relevant level two that you care about and plays well into the Awaken. But there is another one. Dragonoid. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a Dragonoid. It's a shock or Shock Troop. Yeah, yep. Dragno Shock Troop. So it's a, it's a two cost with one red reduction dragonoid, and all it has is flash on one, two, and three. It's a one k, three k, and five k. Oh, okay. Well, then I totally missed this guy. Um, <laughs> My change is paying yep. off. <laughs> forgot he even existed. But you know, anyway, I that's why I I think that the uh, Skyfang guy might see some play. I, you know, that's a strict upgrade, right? Like for what yeah. you want. want it not more. saying he's great. You know, it's not yeah. gonna like blow me away, but. You know, there is a home for him. Yeah. The one thing I will say for the other one, though, is it's clearly meant to be for the Red Guardian deck, and it plays very well because that deck cares about Ancient Dragons. It's a five cost or higher, so it goes with Ruby Sanctuary. The level three is very relevant because it combos well with Red Guardian. So, like, all that is fine. But at the same point, as you mentioned, like, you should already be winning the game enough at that point where you don't care about it. However, this is like an okay sideboard card against yellow and purple. We are constantly getting the Red Guardian's effect, and then you can blow up their Nexus. That said, I'm and hard pressed to imagine that this finds room in the sideboard, but it's one of those things like it had to cost more than five, but then all ancient dragons are like six cost minimum, so you have to make it like six or seven. But that's we're getting to in the top end of it where it's like I just want to play the red guardian by himself and draw off Ruby, 
And this one is like maybe good in a handful of matchups and that's it. So I agree. Like overall, not that excited about it. I get where it's supposed to be, but uh, it's something you probably just put in a sideboard maybe sometimes and forget about otherwise. Yeah, I think it reads well on paper when you contextualize the meta. Like blue is going to be real. So like, hey, it's a repeatable form of Nexus removal. Um, yep. and like, Hey, it, it, you know, you're going to destroy stuff anyways in this deck. So you're going to get his level three for free. Um, but I think unfortunately it kind of just doesn't play out the way you want, because again, your bigger stuff, you're, you know, like by the time you're getting this guy done, uh, down, you're actually like what swinging over with like this, uh, where is he with this guy and like doing those kinds of things. And it's like, at that point, do you kind of really need the other guy? Maybe not. So, I mean, it's just my, my biggest gripe with the TP dragon is that like, seven cores for level three like mm -hmm. I, like i understand that you just make him level three with this level one two three effect but like in the turns that you can't i don't want to have to devote seven cores for him to do anything yeah you know if that was like five cores then like okay i can maybe see playing them somewhere but seven cores like come it's on. a lot it's it's well, effectively you your entire turn the weekend deck and then you put the seven cores on him <laughs> and then you the <laughs> off of him Oh, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, <laughs> so, either way, uh, moving on to purple. I like purples a lot, personally. I think they're actually really, really good. Um, so, you got Corpse Knight Velium, uh, five cost, two purple reduction, undead uh, on levels one and two during your turn. When a spirit is summoned from your trash, select one of your opponent's exhausted spirits and destroy it. Uh, it's a 3k for one and a 7k for four. I think the fact that it can hit anything is a huge deal. I think this is like very annoying for your opponent to work around. Yeah, and it's then, fine. Yeah, yeah and, and then I'm you can... Cool yeah, well, I think it's just like... Because I think the way I've been looking at purple right now is that there's a lot of restrictions on kind of like how its removal works, right? Like you have to hit an exhausted thing, um, and then it's like you can remove cores from it, but then your opponent can kind of play around it by just jamming a bunch of cores on whatever. Um, alternatively, you can play like the previous CP, which is like uh, Genevieve, I think is her name, um, but she hits like sevens. Um, so I think this is kind of the first indication of purple being able to kind of like... Un questionably hit anything outside of like whatever's got armor purple and i think to that sense it can make like for an annoying build yeah i mean you know for sure my my biggest gripe is that it's a 3k at level one sure so, like, but that's not my favorite for a five drop but that is on on brand for purple so you can't really complain that much i guess mm. Yeah, it, it's a good pickup for the Immortal deck, which I know people probably weren't you know, keen on anyways, and I don't think it's going to be all that great either ways, but the undead typing matters. It's really great for all the Immortal trickles that, that you can put into that deck and just getting to like machine gun kill stuff in a turn. So I like it. I think it's good for that deck for, to get pick up and have more of a unique play style out of purple, which is welcome. But outside of that, you're just probably not caring about this guy. But I, I love him. For yeah, you. I mean, it's fine. If, if you have Beldegores, right? I mean, you know, this plus Beldegore is, you know, pretty good. And plus he brings back Beldegore if, if he ever dies. So, you know, that's that's pretty solid. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if he'd ever play him over, like, Mordred, per se. Although sure. Mordred does have a win summon. You know, I don't know. I mean, there's, well, that's the point, right? We're getting there's give and take. They're building out more of the other archetypes in purple. And I, like, sure, core control is still the, probably the best. Don't get me wrong. But at least they're finally pushing these other ones to be different enough. Like, right, we saw that, well, Lamorak is getting pushed other places. But Lamorak was meant to be four Shadows and four Nemesis. Right. So they're at least expanding these various archetypes instead of just playing, like, the whole purple good stuff issue that we've been plagued with for set one and set two. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, if anything, I just like the deepening of the card pool. And at least there's considerations. Is Like, if the meta looks a certain way, maybe I can play this and kind of play it differently. 
Um, then we got Third Eye Snake, two cost, one purple reduction serpent on level two. When your opponent places a core with one of their effects from the void onto one of their spirits or into their reserve, draw a card. Uh, is a two for two K for one and a three K for two. I th it's it's like a silver bullet, which I think is funny and cute, but the the way it's it's weird it's like the way it's stat lines line up it's not great but the decks that kind of do this anyways are usually the ones where stats don't matter as much so there's a world in which you could do this to kind of like keep up with like green which like green gale is a real deck so i mean you know yeah you know it's it's finding it's green the main problem i have with this is that uh if you play it in your sideboard as a silver bullet against green um you can't really just play like two, right? Because you mm -hmm. want it early um, or else it doesn't really do anything. So then you need to play four. So that takes up 40% of your sideboard just to maybe draw some extra cards against green. Um, so, which means you just have to main deck it. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I think it's a fine card. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not awful. It's just it's very it's specific. Really awkward in that you, you have to really commit to it. And it, you know, I don't think green's ever going to be so much of the meta where you're like, man, I really need to play four snakes in my sideboard. But, you know, we'll see. Mm -hmm. That's fair. I mean, I love green personally, but I do think it's still not going to be like, I think if you hit like if any deck ever hits like population size of like 40 percent plus, there's maybe a consideration to start like hard mainboarding silver bullets. Um, but outside of that, yeah, it's probably a little bit too niche on that front. Uh, then we got Macaroni Pentan, two cost, one yellow reduction, Lyric Bird Wanderfay on levels two and three. When destroyed by the opponent, return this card from your trash to your hand. It's a one K for one, a three K for three, a four K for four. Yeah, this card's great. Card is gas <laughs> AF. Yeah, I mean it's it's just a uh, basically uh, an an unkillable Lyric Bird. So, uh, I. I don't want to say this is exactly what yellow needed because I mean, they need lots of things, but uh, I it's, it's not a bad card at all. You know, I don't know where it fits just yet, but you know, it's an unkillable spirit. So, you know, so, we, we know how good those are from the past. So yeah. And magic, this is what a, a squee, I guess. I think uh, it's no, a squee, squee yep. comes back from your graveyard. Uh, sorry, your turn. Uh, okay. So Similar this book. guy, I mean, I'm sure there's some magic comparison, but yeah. Uh, but it's it's a solid card. Mm -hmm. uh, repeatable. Um, and it's not like a hard once per turn repeatable. So if you have multiple of these, you can kind of just kind of keep on going ham. Um, I think this is the first time I've ever noticed that pentans have fingers. Yep, tiny tiny <laughs> little ones. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> <laughs> um i mean don't get me wrong i love this bird i think thematically he's awesome i think there's actual real usages for him in yellow he makes me feel a little bit weird with his fingies but you know it's fine <laughs> um and then we got great eagle tiazi um four cost two yellow reduction fabled beast uh, on levels one two and three one summon select one of your opponent's spirits reduces pp by 2k during this turn and on level three during your attack step all your level one bird folk spirits cannot be blocked by your opponent's spirits that are level two. It's a 3k for one, a 4k for two, and a 6k for four. Am I the only one who thinks this should have been a bird folk? <laughs> I get why it's not because of balancing reasons, but it's going to piss me off until the end of time. But 
it's so just gonna bird folk, man. Like let it let it let it be good. Let yellow be good. That's all Come on. Yeah. No, no, this card right man. right on theme with the rest of the TP set for the most part. This card is just fine. It's mm. another eagle from the eagle deck. That's that's like its best uh <laughs> <laughs> its best trait we're, we're starting to hit critical mass. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I think that's the biggest thing with it. But I mean, it's fine. You do play this if you play the Birdfolk deck. So I mean, you know, there's there's that to add if you're learning to play that strategy. Yeah, and like the wind summon effect to give minus two K to something. I mean, that's not nothing. Like it's you know, and It'll and snipe a stat, something. Yeah. and a stat line is pretty solid. You know, you know, yellow doesn't hate a four K for two cores. So mm. you know, it might find a home somewhere. Yeah, like the whole point of it is, right, if you think about the bird folk archetype, you play the Harpy Nest, which makes your opponent's spirits level one. So if you're going against white, all of a sudden you can shrink their eight cost guy by two. And now your bird folks are like killing an elephant if you want to for whatever reason. Right. So it's meant to be that like trade up value for it. Sure. But again, should have just been a bird folk so it can count itself for the love of God. That's all I wanted. But oh, well. No, then we'll, we'll maybe the next set. <laughs> uh, moving on to white, we've got tank mobile Hetzer. Three cost, two white reduction mecha on level two during your end step. At the start of the step, refresh all of your spirits with no effects listed. So it's a 3k for one, oh, 4k geez. for two. Vanillas! This is just the <laughs> usual TP set tank mobile. There's one in every TP set. This just happens to be the one for this. It's like the laziest design on the face of the planet. Hopefully, yeah, I mean, the, the art's cool. I just hope that these cards never see play just despite Bandai because they're so lazy with these. Yeah, here's the downside, right? So blue does care about vanillas and like there's a very real archetype where you play vanillas with the blue deck and like this would be insane for that. I hope that never happens because I don't want to put a bunch of vanillas in my decks, but it's one of those things like I don't know where this has a home unless it's supposed to be like foreshadowing that we're getting the vanilla deck uh, with set four. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it's it's stats are fine, you know. It it it's going to cost one to play, and it, for two upkeep, it's a four K with a relevant effect for that deck. It untaps tokens, it untaps all of your vanillas. Like as far as like the tank mobiles go, it's like S tier. But I I I don't know if like we're ever going to find a home for this card. Yeah, I, I think the things that's always tough when you're talking about like vanilla archetypes is the fact that like to make vanilla archetypes viable, you need to include non-vanilla vanilla cards in there to kind of make them actually do stuff. And then you kind of have to find the balance between how much cards we want that do stuff that help out versus the cards that don't do stuff. Um, I will say that at least in Battle Spirits, you know, stat line battles kind of matter a little bit more than I've seen in other games, which kind of help that out a little bit. Um, but really, the only game I've ever really seen do like the vanilla archetype really well was Dragon Ball. And the only reason for that is because you can tutor out your good non-vanilla cards and then they like you just spit out vanillas on the board. So I think it's it's a very hard thing to balance. But I do think for vanilla decks, this is you, you play this, right? You just you just do. Yeah, um, there's, there's probably some white like aggro deck that wants this guy because they have so many vanillas in that deck already that mm. maybe it lets you go like all in aggro and still have some sort of defense with like the mobile golems or you know whatever um yeah so, like that that could be a thing uh you know but i feel like white aggro has so many like options now that maybe it doesn't even want or need this but it is like another option for the white aggro deck. Well, we're going into a flood meta, so maybe you know vanilla, like vanilla beatdown, just goes big now instead of small. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yep. For sure. Um, I, mean, I got to I know someone's going to, but right. But like white green tokens is a thing that technically got more support in set three. But to that point, we're going into a flood meta. And do you want to play tokens? Probably not. Man. That's what, that's what the card was meant to do. And it's also a mecha, which cares about mechas in the white token deck. But again, it's just like, I don't want to play a, a token I will deck. Say, that's actually three. a good point. It is not that that's hyper relevant, but it is a mecha and a cheap mecha, which turned, which makes it easier to turn on an early um, mothership. mothership. So, hey, at least you can start ramping with that in a world in which we're going into a slower meta. I don't know. I mean, j- j- the, mecha, the mecha key family type is at least relevant enough to always keep in mind, especially when you're talking about the cheaper ones, because they tend to be more mid-rangey. So, um, moving on from there, we got Divine War Gear Mega Tier. Seven cost, three white reduction, Android. On levels one, two, one and two, when one of your opponent's spirits is returned to their hand, you may pay Soul Core to refresh the spirit. And then on level two, when the spirit blocks, select one of your opponent's spirits with 4k for your BP and return to their hand. It's a 6k for one and a 9k for three. Yeah, this uh, guy's cool. Yeah. You know, you know, again, I don't love him. I think he's probably slightly above average. I mean, 9K for three cores is pretty big deal. So Yeah. I think I think the the weird part about the bounce deck, right? And it's just like there's a there's quite a few cards. It's like, is it duck that cares about like you bounce like things being bounced on your points turn? It's just it feels like white doesn't have it feels like the bounce removal for white doesn't line up great with how they want these kind of cards to work, right? Like you got Dream Bomb, which is like just like generally great and everything. But then the rest of them are all like when block bounces um, or like you have like Valkyrie Mist and then Big Mist, which I forget her name, which are just like main phase bounces. So it feels like there's this kind of like gap in white's repertoire of like battle phase bounce that doesn't line up because the defensive ones aren't good enough and the offensive ones are just non-existent. And it's just kind of this weird like play of like we have all these payoffs for bouncing on like our opponent's turn or during our combat phase, but without really the enablers to kind of make that viable. And it doesn't really make the payoffs good. So like I like this card. I just don't think there's enough that goes around it. I mean, don't you know, aside from the fact that it's also a seven cost to like make it work, which is like how I feel for a lot of these like bounce matters cards. Yeah. So gone with what you said. And only because I've been testing like a white deck quite a bit lately is that um, this card works extremely well with Odin. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the the level one two effect of of this card. You know not being tied to like when it attacks or only attack phase or you know whatever is a pretty big deal when you have cards like Odin uh, and and Buffalong Bill. Uh, so you can set up pretty big turns where you can like you know attack with this guy. You know, attack with Odin, bounce something, untap him. You know, so on, and so forth. I don't think he's bad. You know, you know, like I said, I I think he's definitely above average and does have a home. Uh, it's just I I don't know. Like that deck is already super core starved. So mm-hmm. you know, when you're adding in a basically a four or five core, um, you know, card that does you know that then eats up three more cores it's you know maybe that's not what you're looking for but i think this card is very good yeah yeah if you didn't mention i was just gonna echo the buffalo bill right that's the one that allows you to then actually make it aggressive right because it's going to turn on the the one blocks but the other part too is like it's an android and that matters for like two cards i think so like sure i guess but 
yeah, I, otherwise, I just like the idea of having something that goes with Buffalo Bill. And I didn't even think about Odin. So, yeah, definitely Odin as well. That you're now just having like this mid range bounce deck that White can maybe it's what you use to stall it long enough for Scotty and then Scotty brings you home. I have no idea, but um, it, it's a very it's a very interesting card to see where it's going to line up. But I yeah, think I mean, it, it, for me, it, it fits into like the the Ryan Matos like Pump Spring yep. style deck, right? I mean, that's kind of where this deck this card is really designed to fit into. Mm hmm. Yeah, which I don't hate that deck personally. I mean, I revisit it every set just to kind of see how I feel it out. So um, I, I think it comes together a little bit more. So uh, then we go into green. We got Ghost Mantis, six cost, three green reduction insectoids on level one and two during your attack step. When one of your insectoid, carapite or great beetle spirits is destroyed, place a core from the void into your reserve. And then on level two, when destroyed, refresh all your insectoid, carapite and great beetle spirits. 5k for one, 8k for four. Eh. I mean, this is only ever as good as like our insect care price and great. I, I think there's a world in which like maybe there's a what is it? Dinah is he the one that lets you like flash in armor tree? So like I think there's a world in which maybe the armor tree deck can kind of bring this together. Um, but unfortunately, I think right now we're in a world where the if you are playing like the insectoid carapite deck, you're very much low to the ground. And if you're going like bigger, then you're only really playing like Worker Ant Man, maybe Amaranth to get a couple of ramps off so that you can get into your bigger pieces. Um, I don't think the all bug deck is there. But yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah, this card's just kind of fine. You know, it's pretty mediocre, I think. Stats are cool, but I do like the stats, know, yeah. Most of green cards have similar stats, so it's you know, it's really nothing exciting there. Mm-hmm. Um, there is something to say about just being able to, you know, ram your tokens into your opponents and then like you'd like core up a bunch and then maybe you play Queen Anne Train and then you just kind of go from there. But uh, I think at the moment, outside of the magical BSS tables that I keep being told exist, but I have never played that before. I don't think this is happening. So um, we got Air Commodore Grang, uh, four cost, two green reduction, Prey Bird on uh, levels one and two. It has Gale. And on level two, during your attack step, when one of your opponent's spirits is exhausted by a gale effect, select one of your opponent's spirits uh, and exhausted. So it like adds like a plus one to the gale abilities of your other gales. It's a 3k for one, a 6k for four. I'm not, I'm not decided on this one. I think it's fine. I think having gale on level one's a big deal because that means that you can actually ramp one automatically without having to have the additional cores for... Um, yeah, Highlands. For Highlands. Um, but I'm not decided on whether I like this or not. I think that I think the plus one on your Gale is cool, but like I almost feel like oftentimes with my Gale decks, I want as many Gale triggers to go off as possible, more so than just kind of extending my Gale trigger. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This card's not bad. Um, you know, again, I don't think it's great. It's not like a, a scope out level, you know, green TP card, but uh, you know, again, he's just a little too expensive, right? I mean, four cores for level two is like, that's infinite, you know, in the grand scheme of this game is like, that's just so many cores. And if, if you invest half your cores into one spirit, you want it to be really freaking powerful. Right. And this guy just, I mean, he's, he's not it. And I, I know that green ramps and, you know, you can use excuse where they have a surplus of cores, but like, I don't want that to be the excuse to justify four cores at level two. Um, but he does have Gale at level one. You can play him for two cores. He ramps with Highlands. All that, you know, alone makes him probably playable. I just don't mm -hmm. know how excited you are to be playing it. Yeah. 
I think the the Highlands deck lines up to be more of a multi-attacker deck than a Giga Go Wide Gale for Infinite deck, but I like the the balance and the strength is definitely that you get to select where Gale is just like, oh, hope I have a big enough Gale to tap down their board sort of thing. But Oh, you do get yeah, to choose. That is four. that is a pretty big deal. Okay, I didn't yeah, notice that. The fact yeah. that it's still is 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 pretty rough. So like you have to have multiple hurricane turns like ramping you up, which again you'll get there, but the fact that it's a targeted needle shot, um can matter in certain decks but if you're playing like a, against a creature light style of deck anyways if they're on white it's like okay tokiwa taps your board anyways who cares and then it's mm-hmm. like my next attack is forcing a infinity shield anyways so like that extra tap didn't matter so um and things like yellow and purple it can matter a lot uh you can make sure that they you tap down their five costs that they're trying to save for beldegor or something right and they're like oh ah, now you can't beldegor me this turn or Little stuff like that, but it's very narrow in the color matchups that you really care about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, then moving on to blue, because now we do get blue TPs. Uh, Galad Bolg, four cost, one blue reduction golem on level two and three when the spirit attacks may exhaust one of your nexuses to place a core from the void uh, onto the nexus you exhausted. So kind of like blue's own little worker ant man. Uh, and then while this spirit attacks uh, on level three, when you destroy one of your opponent's spirits via comparing BP, select one of your nexuses and refresh it. Uh, it's a 2k for one, a 4k for three, and a 6k for five. Um, I think the biggest thing that holds this one back is probably just the 4k for three. Um, three cores is a little bit tougher to get on, like turn two, let's say. Um, especially since like the, the thing with Ant-Man is you can just play him and swing. This one, it's like you need setup plus uh him to swing now mind you blue is the nexus color so that's a little bit easier to do um but i do think the way the core math lines up onto it makes it not so worth it especially since the kind of rampy blue deck probably isn't trying to ramp up cores via attacking the opponent i don't know it's uh it's kind of neat that they're extending ways in which you can ramp cores in blue but i don't know if this is the way it wants to do it and the the main thing holding this card back is the cost infinite Three yep. cores is a million in a blue deck. Like your whole deck costs a million cores. Like they really missed an opportunity, I think, to make like a a good two cost blue spirit. Like that's what that deck wants desperately. Because if you don't have your nexuses early for reduction, you just don't get reduction for the mm. blue deck. So this guy doesn't solve any of that and it's just another like random idiot so you know i he's awful at level one and he costs a thousand cores at level two so i don't ever see him being that powerful but you know it's has a cool effect so there's something i guess i swear to god Go ahead. Funny that you mentioned it too, Drop, because we have Mr. Spring Golem Boy that I'm sure you forgot about. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I, and, and I know about that. Just... The exhaust nexus part of it too. But again, I think it's like the whole raid control deck doesn't exist in set three is like my big problem with it, where it's like you're just playing Shark instead. So like I see what they were trying to do, like this in the two drop. Yeah, Rammer Golem, whatever. Like, sure, I get what the combo that they're trying to set up, but like, I can play these eight bad cards in my deck or I can just play shark plus something else. That's going to be infinitely better. And it's just like, yes, I understand you need some early game board control options, but this guy just costs way too freaking much. It did like it should have had like triple blue reduction or something to make it even remotely feasible to put in those decks or at least double. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll settle for double. 
that said, I I think this is like I find this really funny because I feel like we're gonna get into set four reveals in a few months, and John's was like, I can't believe I have to pay one core for this for this effect. One core is infinite cores. <laughs> <laughs> it's like look three cores to play and three cores Man. to maintain it's literally it's a lot it's your turn it's your, it's, it's your turn yeah. Yeah, yeah you know the meta has to drastically shift to where that is even passable mm. because it, if you do it currently you're dead yeah yeah and, and of like the context of it for those that are playing like the mono blue crush style right which is probably the worst version of the two mill decks but um, it, it's like this versus drag golem, which is sure one more core cost at level two or at level two. Yeah, but it's three reduction by comparison. So like you're more likely to get drag golem up, get him for his level two and get that extra effect where this one, where the other golem is just like, nah, dog, I'm just expensive and screw you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So kind of where that lines up. And then finally, our last TP is explosive giant Douglas six cost three blue reduction war god. Uh, on levels one, two, and three, he's got crush plus one. And then on two and three, during your attack step, when a magic card is discarded by your crush effect, draw a card, then discard a card. Five um, k for one, eight k for four, ten k for six. Why do I have to discard a card? I'm so okay. So <laughs> you and Don both, All right? Listen, no, that is Blue's thing. I totally understand Bondi. Look, I get it. Blue is filtering. Hundred percent. Love me you. Try I too. understand. Why do I is it not draw two for the love of God? Like we have to work so goddamn hard for this card. Like nothing infuriates me as much as this bloody card. And look, you're gonna say, oh, but it's a war god, so it has a flex card, and now you can use the muscle flex, whatever it's even called. No, it's still trash. You're not playing this card, man. I am so <laughs> angry with this one. All right, there we go. I, I, one I, I think the balancing act that's nice is I think we have one that works with like if your opponent mills a spirit, you get like what a core or something. That's the bulldog. Pit yeah. dog or whatever. That's boy bulldog that comes yeah. in down at two and is like actually fine for the crush deck. Yeah, so I think there's this like nice like duality between hey if you mill a magic card or if you mill a spirit, but like I like you have to do so much effort to get this guy on board. I don't know why it couldn't have been like yeah sure blue filters whatever, but it should have been at least draw two. Like come on, at least give me a card here. It's like. just another card that takes infinite cores to me. <laughs> <laughs> this is like like blues thing like okay he has tri- triple reduction so you can at least play him for pretty cheap you know and playing him at level one as a 5k is fine but like four cores to make him an 8k like you have to think like how many games do you play where you have like 10 cores in play you know like the game's usually over by then so you have to use half your cores to make one 8k like it's just that's mm. just not it yeah, it's I, I think one of the biggest things with like design for the game, um, I think it's just there probably needs to be a little bit tightening up on the like power curve, right? Of like cost. I, it's a little bit harder to do in Battle Spirits because like you have like multiple levels, which can account for like, whereas for like magic, let's say it's very easy to say like a two cost vanilla should be a two two be and then you just go power curve from there. Um, but it's just like, you know. Four maintenance cores for an 8k on a six cost with three reductions. Whereas, like, let's say, like a card with mermaid that does actually care about its level two, but now it's like five cores, three reductions, which means she's actually only costing us two, and then three cores to maintain. But on that maintenance, you're getting like, you know, whatever, like six cores worth of value, depending on what level twos you get from your other next. So, it's- yeah, you know, this reminds me of like all the vanillas, right? How they just have random AF cores to 
to like power ratios. And I, I want to have a conversation with the guy at Bandai who comes up with these and like, just please explain to me how both hands is four cost one reduction with the shittiest stat line you've ever seen in your life. It's, it's, it's like, bruh, like how do, do you just have like a, random number generator making your D&D characters and you're just like let's just use this to make vanillas mm-hmm. I mean if you're not an eagle your your stats just suck it just doesn't make sense yeah and then yeah, if you're an eagle your stats are insane there's the goat himself <laughs> yeah it's, it's crazy <sighs> the last thing that really bothers me about the TP card right is like we just talked about drag golem which if you're playing the crush deck is the most important spirit for you which already requires four cores, four cores and now yeah. you're telling me I have another four cores to play on this guy to get his other relevant effect like did I just get like the triple high roll bulldog and my opponent had like no start and I just got a billion cores off of the the, the best boy two drop doggo spirit probably not like a lot of times you have to have only one or two cores on your other spirits because drag golem is greedy, but its effect is so strong. Like you, you have to keep four cores on him. So I don't know where all these extra cores are coming out. Like one issue I talked about, it's just like, I feel like we want worker Ant-Man in this mono blue crush deck. And then that doesn't feel good but then, either. Like, but then we're just killing our opponent. <laughs> yeah. exactly. And the number of games I've yeah. this was before Mandala. So like sure. Mandala helps out that issue, but the number of games where I like just killed my opponent with the blue crush deck that's just like, oh, sorry, I got there. And they slide like 20 cards left in deck. I'm like, how, how did this get to this point? Like, why are we, why mm. am I attacking at all? Let me just play Madala now instead. Like, that's just another reason why, you know, I don't like crush, right? Is that, you know, you either kill your opponent prior to milling them out or the cards that you mill don't matter because they're getting chunked for 12 and three turns anyway for like no core investment. So, you know it's 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 so core starved just on the front end anyway and then you know you just add cards like uh uh whatever his name is edward i don't know what his name is that tp card that just <laughs> it just doesn't do anything because it takes so many cores and you know you have your people listening they're gonna be like well we can just ramp with other cards and it's like man you're playing a different battle spirits than we are with if you feel like you can ramp to a point where you, you can have four cores on all your cards in play but you know it's eh, one day i dream to play this magical battle spirits that they all yeah. play <laughs> like i it, i i would have bet so much money that the blue tp cards just would have been cracked because they needed to be and there's just not i'm not allowed to have nice things i guess yeah but well, to be fair we saw the same thing with set two in green right like set green now looks insane with set three because of the new gale and all that good stuff so it's like Yes, they could have probably just pushed the envelope a little bit and I would have been, you know, happy with it. And I think most people people would have been happy with like blue coming into online, but most likely with set three, we're gonna have to have like 50-50, you know, color splits of decks. Blue is gonna be playing a support role. And then hopefully in set four, when it gets its dual symbol, Hydra raid multi-attacker shenanigans, right? Then mono blue, mono, because everyone plays, you know, ice shields and dream bombs and whatever, um, can finally come online. But set two blues. At least it's not as bad from an overall card pool. And like blue obviously has cracked stuff like Mandela, like sharks or like floodstream. There's good playable cards that are definitely going to have a meta impact. I just wish there was a more an all blue deck that didn't suck. (laughs) So I'll just say the short version Mm -hmm. of it. Yeah, I think that'll come with Nexus density, right? Like I think it's just the the deeper the card pool is for them to be able to pull from. 
Um, I, I think it's very hard for them to justify making like every single Nexus as strong as like Unchained Arena, let's say. So there's a little bit of balance there on that note. So I think I think with the deepening of the card pool, I, I, I will say like blue is still wildly more playable than green was out of the gate. So I think it's going to be at least great to see it be a part of the meta, you know, aside from like the one off card, which was like Thorn Prison back in the day, back in the day, like a few months ago. So I think out of the gate, blue's fine. It's exciting enough to actually make a difference in the game. Um, and then hopefully with the deepening of the card pool. Well, my biggest thing with the deepening of the card pool is that one, obviously expand on blue because it's just got introduced, but also finally bring new ways to play for the other colors. Like I'm tired of playing like you know, the, the, these archetypes that were kind of fleshed out across like three sets. Give me a new way to play the decks. Give me a new way to play the colors. And I think that's when I, th I, th I think those are the biggest excitement points for me moving into set four when we're past this. But, you know, who up next is the meta. So we'll see where the set three meta evolves. And it'll be a very quick evolution um, because it's going to be grand open, grand open, grand open. Three weeks of nothing. Grand open, grand open, pro tour, you know, whatever. So yeah. it's uh than a month and then worlds. So. Yeah, so it's it's going to be an insane back to back of people scrambling to figure out the meta and trying to adjust really quick for three weeks, and then like a resting period of like three weeks where people can like actually sit down and do like multiple weeks of testing to kind of like optimize everything, and then kind of close in on the like the pro tour and worlds to really have like a refined meta. So it'll create a very interesting situation where it ought to be very exciting very early on. And then you can at least like tune into the end to kind of see where it all solidified. So it's weird. It's a little funky. It's a lot of flying about for people who are going to be participating in wave three. But um, I think it should lend itself for at least an exciting, you know, fingers crossed on a healthy meta, an exciting kind of uh, organized play season. So. All righty. So with that said, that's when we, I will say before we cap off, we're all team serial first, right? Like that's. Yeah. No questions asked. <laughs> yes. Yes. hundred percent. And I and I will say, I will say to uh to Vire's credit, I am also totally okay with like dry cereal as a snack. That's fine. Like life checks. Totally fine. Both sure. those options, A okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but if you put your mouth first, you are a psychopath. Yeah. So those who are listening <laughs> have no idea what my sign means or what he's talking about. Is that there was a discussion on the uh, discord earlier this week where there was at least a couple people who said that the milk goes in first followed by the cereal and those people are weird <laughs> i'm just shocked at how many people came forward and was like yeah no milk first is fine like what who are you people oh god it's just yeah i don't know it's like how do you know how much milk when you don't even know how much anyways it's yeah that's a whole exactly. different thing okay i i i i think we've said enough about that uh thank you everyone for joining the church of penton on this week's episode uh look forward to future weeks as we kind of close into the pro tour and once again if you're going to the pro tour let us know feel free to say hi we'll be there to chat hang out have a good time with that said we'll catch you guys next week till then may the cores be our saviors mm -hmm.